Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Hey, good morning, church. It's good to have you here. We've got all our chairs back in the house. That feels good. And uh, it's good to have you here worshiping in the name of the Lord. And, and uh, we've got lots of chairs that we can invite people to, amen, uh, because uh, we want to fill this place back up. And we love you who are worshiping at home, and uh, we're glad that you're with us, that we're still one church united in one mission. And just want to encourage you when you're ready, uh, we've got space for you here. And good news today, as of today, the coffee is back, Amen. <laughs> I didn't think ministry could happen without coffee. So I'm glad it's back. And, uh, and there's, there's a good reason to be together and to celebrate the presence of the Lord. I want you to have August 13th, 14th, 15th on your calendar, friends. If you've at all got a heart for what God's doing here at this church, we need you here. We want you here to be invested in the mission that Jesus has for First Pres. And, thir- and Friday night in particular, I want to say something. It's, like, it's not a picnic. It's actually going to be like an evening under the stars with pie and music and stuff. And it's going to be real classy. But it's uh, Friday night, uh, 6.30, this really celebrating Jim and Barb Desjarnet, our minister of music in the sanctuary side of the house. He's been with us 39 years. If you've met him, he's awesome. Uh, he was doing parking ministry all week for VBS, and, and we want to love on them and celebrate them. 39 years of faithful ministry here. So make a point to be there, please, for Vision Weekend 2021. So we're in 1 John. Turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. As we continue in the series, What Great Love, I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. And as we open the scriptures, let's open our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we know very well that we could stare down on these words and read over them and and not be changed at all. Have it mean nothing to us. But if you in your mercy would send your Holy Spirit, if you would open our hearts to receive, if you'd open our minds to understand, We might hear your voice, and we might be changed. That's what we pray for, Jesus. In your holy name, the church said, amen. Amen. 1 John 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, Now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. 
This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. This is God's word. We're grateful. Amen? Our series is called What Great Love, and the message today is love makes a difference. Love makes a difference. We, uh, yeah, 1 John 3. Um, we, uh, 1 John 3, love makes a difference. <laughs> um, we had a great week this week. Uh, folks, if you, if you didn't catch the news, uh, we put on this week the biggest, boldest vacation Bible school First Pres has seen in decades. Um, we had hundreds of kids here. The pictures can start anytime. These pictures of kids running around and, and enjoying vacation Bible school. And I can't say enough about our volunteers, our leaders, our staff who made this happen. But we hosted 400 kids. We maxed it out, folks. We maxed it out. And what I can tell you is that um, all of them were perfectly well-behaved. Um, they were quiet and obedient and... Uh, uh, they were orderly. Not a single one of them would even consider throwing a water balloon at their lead pastor or doing anything of that kind of, of thing. Um, and I think you might see a video, though, that's coming. <laughs> what? Oh. Thank God for Marcos Henry, right? Man, saved my biscuits. Now, we had an awesome time. It was an awesome time. And I just want to say a quick thank you to anyone who volunteered. If you volunteered to make uh, VBS happen, would you stand up, please, right where you are? Let us appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys did awesome stuff. God did awesome stuff through you. And a lot of lives were touched. You know, a lot of our activity was right here. We didn't have any chairs in here. We just had hundreds of kids. And so they were, did you know that these walls are soundproofed? They are. It didn't work. It didn't work at all. There's 400 kids in here laughing and, and singing and shouting and jumping. And, and I don't even want to know what decibels we were at. I don't want to know. But you know what they were shouting? They were shouting, you are treasured. You are treasured. Say that together, church. You are treasured. That was the message. That was the message we wanted every kid, every child to walk out of here knowing God sees you. You are treasured. God hears you. You are treasured. God comforts you. You are treasured. God loves you. You are treasured. We wanted every kid to know that. And they walked out of here hearing that that whatever else goes on in their life, there is a God in heaven who loves you so much. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be your Savior and Lord, and he's with you, he's for you, and you are treasured. What I want you to know, church, right here, right now, is that very same love is here for you. It's present in Jesus Christ. What great love. We're in the series called What Great Love, looking at 1 John, 3, 1 John all the way through. And our theme verse, our memory verse, is from today's passage, 1 John 3, 1. In fact, if you've never memorized a verse, I want you to take a shot. See, what if I memorize this, set it in my mind? 
1 John 3, 1. Let's recite it together. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. God's love makes a difference. It makes a change. It impacts you. It'll change your life. If you feel it, it will change you. If you feel it. Last week we talked about how there's something that comes into our lives that keeps us from feeling that love of God. God loves you. His love for you is full and constant. It never changes. But from time to time, we don't feel that love. In fact, what enters our lives is something that blocks that love. We call it sin. Sometimes as we, you know, we go through confession as we go through our praise set. Have you ever noticed that? We go through confession. As we come close to the Lord, we sense his holiness. We want to be forgiven of our sins. Well, on the other side of the house, sometimes we recite prayers together. And one of those prayers has this phrase in it. It says, uh, God's face is hidden from us by our sin. God's face is hidden from us by our sin. Do you get that? See, it isn't that we sin and then God turns away. It isn't that God's love changes. It isn't that God's love stops. It isn't that he turns his back on you or walks away from you. God always loves you. His love is constant for you. But our sins can get in the way of that love. When I allow impurities into my life, when I allow uh, unholiness into my life, unrighteousness, and I can't feel the love of God, and I'm stuck, I'm stuck in the darkness instead of in his light. I'm stuck separated from the light and life that he's showering down in his great love. I'm stuck in a, in a feeling of, of numbness, of, of lack of emotion. You know, that's what the world is selling you. It's, this, it's selling you an anesthetic, emotionless stupor of separation from the love of God. It's saying, don't feel, don't feel, don't feel anything. It's a, friends, it's a zombie life, a numbness. I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to risk something. Risk feeling something. Risk feeling the love of God. What great love. God's love makes a difference. Now, what do we do when we feel that separation, when sin separates us from God? What we do, we talked about it last week. We, say, we, can, we confess our sins, and we appeal to God for forgiveness of our sins, not on the basis of who we are or what we've done, but on the basis of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, for Jesus has paid the debt. This was the verse we looked at last week. If we claim, in chapter 1, if we claim to be without sin... And that's what we do. That, everyone, that's what we do. Oh, I don't, I don't think I really have I don't think that's really a problem. I think I've pretty much got my life tracking. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. You're just lying to yourself, let alone God. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But there's another way. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the gospel. The problem has been solved. The chasm has been bridged by Jesus. Jesus has made a way possible for us to come back into the full love of God. 
God has resolved in his love to pull you into full communion and the fullness of eternal life. But by our own sins, we are separated from from feeling that out, from living that out. But God has resolved to do it, and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. And all who believe in him do not die. They have eternal life, and they return into communion with God, reconciliation, redemption, freedom. What we call this in the church, there's a word that we use for this. It's the word justification, justification that you were made for a relationship with God, you were created for communion with God, but that relationship with God has been ruptured by our own sinfulness, it's been ruptured. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pull us back into that relationship, to make it right again. And so if you believe in Jesus, if you confess your sins, you don't walk around proud and say, oh, I, don't, I don't have any sin, there's nothing wrong with me, there's something wrong with you, you know? You, you say, no, 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 there's, there is something in my life that's wrong and it needs to be made right. And I appeal to the work of Jesus on the cross to forgive me of my sins. And I want to be made whole. And if you say that, then you're justified. You're made right in your relationship with God. You don't justify yourself. You're justified by your faith in Christ. And now something else happens that we're going to talk about today. After you've been justified, you've been saved, you've been redeemed, you've been named a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ, after that, something else happens We call it sanctification, sanctification. There's a process where you start to change. The Holy Spirit of God inside you, it starts to activate, and it starts to change the things that you want, the things that you desire. It starts to change the person that you are. The love of God begins to make a difference. Look at this, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. See, you were sitting on your hands wanting to recite that with me by now, weren't you? Like, ooh, I love that verse. I've memorized it, right? See what great love, what great love that you've been named children of God. And that's what we are. Listen, folks, we don't just want to know the love of God or understand the love of God. I want you to feel the love of God. But how do I really do that? How do I feel something? Well, John shows us how to do it because that's exactly what John does right here. If you read along this letter, we're coming to a moment in verse 1 of chapter 3 where the letter just stops. All that John has been writing and working on, it just stops. And there's this interruption where the, he just exclaims. He just, he can't, he can't keep going. He's, he falls out of his shoes and he just exclaims, oh, what great love of God. See what great love of God that he has lavished on us, that we are called children of God. See, John is just talking about it. He's experiencing it right now. And we can feel it with him. Because he was just trucking along, just doing his arguments and saying, this, yeah, this is how it is. This is the problem. And this is how Jesus fixed it. And this is what you do with your sin. This is how you're forgiven. And this is how it works. And this is the direction that you're going to go. And then he just gets hit by it. He just falls out of his chair. Oh, what great love that God would lavish on us. That we would be called children of God. And that is what we are. See what great love. Now what is John feeling? What is it that he's feeling? Folks, it's the same thing 
that caused the same John, uh, when he's writing the gospel, to never write his own name on the page. You know, he never wrote, and that's when John did this. The only thing he wrote when he had to write about himself in the gospel, he referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, the beloved. It's that same love that causes him trucking along in this letter to the church to just stop as he realizes, it kind of sinks in, that the, the one true God, the almighty God, the, the, the source of all life, this cosmic being that has brought all things into existence, this God who's over all things, who's eternal, who's almighty, this God loves me, calls me by name. He can't go on. He has to stop. Oh, what great love. What great love. Now, the love is proved out. It's manifest in this adoption. That we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Remember, what God speaks happens. See, this is the Lord who said, let there be light, and there was what? Light. This is the God who speaks things into being. The Word of God creates. The Word of God creates reality. When God says it, it is. When God declares it, it happens. So when God says you are a child of God, guess what you are? Child of God. Because the God who says it is the God who does it. The God who manifests what he speaks so not only that we are called children of, children of God, like, oh, you're a child, that's nice. I'll put it on a card, put it up over my mantle in the fireplace, you know? No, no. That is what we are. That's the great love. God says you're a child, you're a child, you're in the family, forever forgiven, forever redeemed, forever in the arms of the Father, forever the beloved. Now this, if you experience this, Folks, if you think about who you are at the very root of your existence, and if you allow to seep in the idea that the very root of who you are, you are one whom God is calling his beloved child. That's who you are. If you let that seep in, it's going to start to change you. It's going to start to fundamentally alter who you are from the very inside of your character. Look at this verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be what? We shall be like him. We're going to be like Jesus, for we shall see him as he is. You are about to start changing. You are about to start being transformed. If you are in Christ, if you've given your life to Christ, if you're justified, there's something that's going to start. It's going to change you from the inside out, and it never stops. And you grow more and more into the likeness of Christ. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that all of us, we lose our personal identity, we lose our individuality, like I stop being Tim and I just get absorbed into the great oneness of all things? No, 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 no. When, as you become more in the likeness of Christ... You grow more into who you were always meant to be. 
As you grow into the likeness of Christ, you are growing into your individual likeness to Jesus as he reflects his character off of you and who God made you to be. The you that you were truly meant to be is the you that you become when you become what you were meant to be in Jesus. Are you with me? I'm going to talk more about it in a little bit. That's who you are. That's who you really are. When you follow Jesus, you don't become less you. You become more you than you ever were as you walk toward him. But the change sets in. That's the point. God's love makes a difference. And suddenly, this is what happens. Suddenly, you want different things. Look at verse 3. All who have this hope in him purify themselves. They take stuff out that's, that's getting in the way. They clean stuff up that feels filthy. They purify themselves just as he is pure. Friends, you know, purity is something that the world scoffs at, and, and even as Christians, we scoff at purity. But you know what? <laughs> when the Holy Spirit is residing in your heart, as you come into relationship with Jesus, you just start wanting a different class of stuff. Like, I've tried that. And you know what you start to want? What you start to want is what's good, is what's beautiful, is what's, it's what's true, it's what's pure. And the minute that you start to get a taste for it, like you start to really believe, you mean I can have that kind of experience, that class of stuff in my life, well, then the fire ignites because you've got a thirst for it now. What I really want, I don't want all this broken mess. I don't want all this filthiness. I really start to want in my heart the purity, the goodness, the beauty, the truth, the righteousness, the personal integrity, the wholeness. If I can have that, I want it. You know why? Because when I'm in that, I'm in peace with God with myself and with my God. You just thirst for it. When you start to take things out of your life, you say, I don't think I need that anymore. Your heart begins to long for likeness to Christ more and more, and things change, but not all at once. Not all at once. The next passage, it gets pretty confusing because it starts to sound like if you're in Jesus, you're not going to sin anymore. You know, and that gets confusing. But what John is trying to say, what the Scripture is trying to say is, look, there are streams of, of life. There are streams and tendencies of the heart. And you're going to have to make decisions as you go along in your life, you see. But you're not going to change all at once. I had a guy come to Christ in Atlanta while I was ministering there, and um, he, he and his wife found uh, a series of sermons that I had preached, found them online. It's a series called The Happy Church. It actually became a book. But they found the series online. They, they listened to the first one, and then they looked at each other and said, do you want to listen to the second one? Like, we've never done that before. It feels weird. And they clicked on the second one, and they clicked on the third one. They stayed up late into night, listened to seven messages. And at the end of the seventh message, just together, just the two of them, they prayed in their living room, in their home, in the middle of the night, and gave their lives to Christ. And, and just a, a little while later, they came to church, and I got to meet them. 
and we started living life together. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I'm still humbled by that story, you know, that God would use those messages that way. We started living life together, this new life in Christ, and after a few months, uh, the husband, he came to me, and he said, Tim, Tim, I, I don't think it worked. I said, what do you mean? I mean, you're a different man. Your family's different. No, I don't think it worked. I mean, when I gave my life to Jesus, I, I asked him to forgive my sins. I felt so clean. I felt so pure. I felt so right. But I don't think it took. Because a few months later, Tim, I still sin. I still sin. And I said, yeah. <laughs> Me too. Because from here it's a process. Sanctification is a process. It slowly grows, bit by bit, day by day. We've all got stories of that person who came to Christ and something changed all at once. Like, I gave my life to Jesus, I threw the cigarettes in the trash can, never smoked again. I gave my life to Jesus, I never again spoke a word in anger, right? We know those two. But for most people, for all of us, and for most of what we're changing in our lives, it is incremental, step by step, day by day. We're growing sometimes by imperceptible measure as God pours out his love over us and we grow. My daughter's into plants. I think plants are getting a resurgence in the world. Anybody into plants in here? Like, yeah, go plants, right? I mean, we love plants. Plants are awesome. And so my daughter's gotten into finding all these different plants and like, this is how you make this plant grow the best and just really totally getting into it. And here's the thing about growing plants. You can never watch a plant grow. I mean, no matter how patient you are, if you, you know, you can't just sit there and, and have this moment where you see that thing moving, right? It never happens. I mean, you could, you're never going to have that moment of, wow, right there, look at that. It doesn't work that way, does it? But, but regular watering, good soil, daylight, over time, it grows in, incrementally, imperceptibly at times. But before you know it, you look over and you're like, whoa. I need to find a new pot for that thing. It's the same thing with your soul. As the love of God pours out over you, you're growing bit by bit. You grow, but not all at once. Not all at once. What John is getting at here is that there are streams, okay? There are tendencies that we need to be aware of. And even as followers of Christ, as those who've been adopted and redeemed, we're going to have a battery of choices day by day. And each of these choices is either going to dip us into a stream that is leading us away from Christ, that is against the ways of Christ. He gets very dramatic here. These are, these are streams that belong to the anti-Christ. These are anti-Christ streams. This is where the devil lives. And we can dip into those streams, or we can dip into streams that he calls righteousness, a Christward way. And we're going to make those decisions all along the way and dip into those streams. And for shorthand, John is saying, yeah, that one stream, I just call it sin. And this one stream, I call it righteousness. He's not saying you're never going to sin. He's saying that you're making choices of which direction to go every moment. Every moment. There's a, there's a Native American proverb about a, a grandfather and a grandson. The grandson comes to his grandfather about the conflict in his heart. He says, it feels like there's a, a fight inside me. And the grandfather says, yeah, there's a fight inside you for your soul. It's as though there's two wolves 
that are fighting. One is good and one is evil. And the grandson says, well, which wolf is going to win? The grandfather says, the one you feed. There's a lot of wisdom in that. John is saying, what are you feeding? Are you going to keep stepping in, in the antichrist directions? Even after you have his light, his hope within you? Or are you going to step in a Christward direction and grow in life and faith? And he's not saying you're not going to have any sin. That would be inconsistent with what he said just earlier where he said, when you sin, you come and confess. And when you sin, you come and confess again. And when you sin, you come and confess. John knows that there will be sin in your life, that you'll be at, at war within yourself to find that Christward way against that diabolical way. And there's going to be sin in your life. But you know what the difference is? The difference is that when I sin now, I don't like it. There are times in your life when you're outside of, of Christ where you can sin and just you just take it as part of life. This is part and parcel, right? This is the way life goes. But once, life, once the life of Christ is within you, once the seed of his word is within you, once his Holy Spirit is within you, you know it feels different. And when I sin now, I feel the, the rot and the corruption of it. I feel the corrosion of it hitting my soul. I feel the sickness of it, and I don't want it. So I turn again, and I confess. I turn again, and I repent. I jump again in that Christward way and pray for the streams of the Holy Spirit to carry me greater. And like a plant, I grow toward the sun, at times imperceptible by measure, but I grow, and I grow, and I grow. And so do you. God's love makes a difference. The love of God poured out over you. It shines unceasingly over you like the sun. And you're growing. Day by day, you're growing. And what John says is that this change is so radical, it's so fundamental, that you've got to think of yourself a little bit differently. You've got to think of yourself as a child. We are children, he says. Verse 2, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known you know they say uh, they say adults are like cement all mixed up and set for life have you ever heard that <laughs> but not you not you once you're in Christ you're as much a little kid as these kids who were running around at VBS this week. There's more in your future as Christ is changing and altering you. There is more. And what you will be has not yet been made known. You're growing in the likeness of Christ. And there's so much out in front of you. John says, now we are children. We are children. And we don't even know what we're going to grow up into. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. You're in a process of becoming, becoming your true likeness of Jesus. What will you be when you grow up? Let me give you four applications and then we're out. Number one, you are becoming. You are not finished yet. Is that good news for anybody in here? You're not finished yet. Give yourself a little grace. And the you that you're becoming is the you that you were meant to be to best reflect the character of Jesus Christ. 
That's who you truly are. How many ways are you trying to figure out who you really are? How many different ways are you trying to explore and define your identity and even, and even thrust that identity out into the world? This is who I am, right? Listen to me. This is what the gospel says. This is what the scripture says. Who you are is who you are in the eyes of Jesus Christ. As he puts his hands on your shoulders and looks at you face to face and tells you, you are my beloved. And the you that you see reflected in the loving eyes of Jesus, that's who you are for eternity. And you can know that that is truly you. If you want to know who you are, you look to Jesus. He knows you. Now, you are becoming. So, so number two, love the you you are becoming. Okay? You ever have a hard time uh, loving yourself? You ever have a hard time forgiving yourself? You ever have a hard time believing what Christ is saying to you, that you are the beloved of God? Sometimes we're so hard on ourselves. Love the you that you see reflected in the eyes of Jesus. That's the you that you truly are. Now, number three, not just you, others are becoming. Everyone you meet is on a journey. Hey, it comes down to a pretty sharp uh, conclusion, this passage. Verse 10, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not, what's that word? Who does not love their brother and sister. Folks, it kind of resolves down to that. Love God, love your neighbor. How are you doing at love? The people around you, they're on a journey. Sometimes I think it's hard to love other people because we, we pigeonhole them and we say, well, that's who they are. They're never going to change, and I can't love that. So I'm out. But look, everyone is changing. Everyone is becoming. Others are also on a journey where they are changing and becoming. And so the fourth application, love what others may be becoming. When you have a hard time loving someone else, when you can't find that root of love to share with somebody, take a minute and imagine what they're going to be when Jesus has them fully in his grasp. And love them for that. Did you know there's some people in the world that are hard to love? Did you know that? It's true. Check it out. You take a minute and you imagine what they will be when Christ has them fully in his grasp, when they are healed, when they are redeemed, when they are the person that they were made to be to reflect the glory of Jesus. You imagine that and then love them for that. Love them because of that. In fact, love them into that. What great love. It transforms you, it transforms me. It's changing us into the likeness of Jesus and into his glory. Allow that love to touch you. Jesus, we thank you that you are on your knees like this church was this week with each of us. Each of us is just a, it's just a little kid before you. And there you are. 
with your hands on our shoulders, staring into each of our eyes and saying, you are my beloved. Lord, I pray that each one of us would hear that, would know that, would feel that, and would be transformed under your great love. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.